Welcome to The Cross Culture with Adam and Kelly. In a world of questions, two nerds with microphones make up the answers and discuss the intersection of faith in everyday life. This week's episode, Better Than a Fandom Menace? Yay! Yay! That's right. So, friends, picture it. May 1977. And you're old. Well, I wasn't going to name that that's my birth month and year, but thanks for that. I was born in a movie theater. The world has changed. When a single movie hits theaters. At the time, it was called Star Wars, later to be renamed Episode Four: A New Hope. And a new phenomenon was born, the summer blockbuster. Dun, 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 dun. And everything's been downhill since. <laughs> but I, I have a theory, and my theory is that blockbuster movies are now a manifestation of a lowest common denominator culture that really is reflected in the church in a watered-down version of the gospel. Yeah, I think... Um... I think, too, you know, you say watered-down gospel, and I think when we talk about, like, uh, lowest common denominator culture, right, um, you know, it's just selfish. Like, it's just a manifestation of that, like, the half-truth, right? Like, the, I get all this, and what's required of me? Nothing! It's everybody else's responsibility. Uh, No, I think that's, that's real good. Continue, Adam. Okay, so here's what I, what I see. We want what has the broadest possible appeal and in the end makes the, min- the most minimal of impacts. So in, in thinking about this, you know, the original Star Wars movie was radically different than what anyone had seen before in terms of special effects. Even though it used tropes and cliches and it used familiar kind of Flash Gordon style storytelling it was packaged in a completely unique way in a genre that wasn't resonant with broad appeal Mm. so I I looked at what are some of the because now every year we churn out we have blockbuster season every summer right and it's oh go see this movie and go see that movie and go see this action flick and this sci-fi drama and this you know marvel superhero movie don't stop making the marvel i'm still i'm still in you still have my money i still love you (laughs) but i checked and i I looked at you know okay so what is the the number one all-time gross um all-time gross all-time uh domestic gross that's that's money in income leader and according to all-time box office top 100 films it has ranked Star Wars, Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, which is really a New Hope all over again, almost thirty years. Yeah, later. but it's such a good movie. What, I'm curious, what are what are two and three on that list? So number two is Avengers Endgame. <laughs> 
Number three is Avatar. Oh my gosh, it's Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, I'm telling you, number four is Black Panther. Number five is Avengers Infinity War. Like, the top five are all basically the same genre of film. Hey, y'all, don't listen to Adam. He's uh, he's an advocate for the mouse. The mouse is going to own everything. The mouse soon. owns, I mean, honestly, it's all Disney. <laughs> the mouse owns all. The mouse knows all. <laughs> no, and, and uh, well, I've heard this before, too. Like, people say that good movies don't make money. Yeah, I'm looking for, yeah, I mean, okay, hold or on. Or better, better yet, not movies. The, the, uh, the elitist in me is, like, good films. Yes. Good films do not make money. Right? I'm, I mean, I'm looking on this list for one that is a critically acclaimed artistic if there isn't one I, I bet you the only one that's probably close on that list they might be uh you might have last of the mohicans on there yeah i'm not seeing it i don't know why i always thought that movie made a lot of money and even then that's a that's a very problematic movie too <laughs> right uh, <laughs> i mean do you, do you consider deadpool because that's number 51 on the list deadpool's the best movie on that list thank you very much <laughs> i uh I, i'm uh, unashamed to admit my love of Deadpool. Same. No, okay. So let's let's continue that conversation. So we said we said two things that I think they're really important for framing our conversation, right? So you have lowest common denominator culture, and you have a watered down gospel. And we talked about like the summer blockbuster and kind of how like that movie when it came out, it kind of changed the entire film industry. Yeah. Um. In that type of regard, right? So, so walk me through a little bit more. Like, let's talk a little bit more about what you consider like a watered down gospel. All right. So, here are some things that I consider a watered down gospel. I shared with Kelly a story that I have mm-hmm. from back in the days when I was not doing my current job. <laughs> um, so, I was driving to work one day, and in the in the city that I worked, there were a lot of street preachers. Some of y'all may have seen those from time to time. And this gentleman had a placard. And on his placard, it said, the wages of sin is death. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Right? So that comes from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23. That's only half the sentence. Literally half the sentence. Can you say that one more time for the people listening? How much of that sentence is that? Literally half the (laughs) sentence. So I pull up next to him. I roll down my window and I'm smiling at this guy. And I look at him and I say, I I complete the sentence, right? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The guy immediately starts shouting at me in words that are non-church language. <laughs> I don't think he learned those in, in, in a sanctuary. And, I mean, he's like, get the blank off my blanking sidewalky blankety blanking blank blank. He, he could not handle the other half of the gospel. He was so fixated with his half, he couldn't accept Literally finishing his own sentence. I think so often we get stuck in a, we're going to appeal to as many as possible, so we're going to cut off whatever is challenging. And, and that, to be fair, that can be 
on a lot of different angles. It's different for me than it is for, for maybe someone else. What challenges me about my faith may not be the same thing that challenges others. But we end up with part of a truth and part of a truth without the rest of the truth leads us to a lie. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't... <laughs> I mean, it, it's that... It's always It always begs the question, right? Like, how does somebody arrive there? Like, for me, and, and you know, Adam's known me for years now, and so part of my own personal, like, quote-unquote theological journey or my own like kind of like experience of wrestling with spiritual things and the Bible and, and God and, and my faith, right? Like, you know, I, I get why some people arrive at the things they arrive at, right? But it is also fascinating to me to then also then do like the number one thing that people like on every like poll <laughs> that's done are most terrified of and to literally preach half of the thing. Um, now, when we talk about watered-down gospel, so for me, um, I find that uh, what I would consider a watered-down gospel is one that is, um, it affirms uh, what I call um, orphan state. This isn't a jab or to dehumanize or demonize people who were adopted, please, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I mean by orphan state in a spiritual term is that like when we become believers, we become a part of the family of God, right? So we are adopted into this family uh, as a Gentile, right? Like you're then adopted, right? This is, this is verbiage that scripture uses to describe the process we go through, right? As we become children of God, right? Um, uh, but for me, like, it's, it's thought processes that affirm the backwards way of thinking is what I consider a watered-down gospel. So, for example, this gentleman got caught up in the, you deserve to die. You made bad choices, and the wages of sin is destruction, and da-da-da-da-da-da. It's not, but there's so much there that I'm like, no, that's not even, no, <laughs> But the second part of that is also it's a gospel that serves the, well, I made better choices than you, so you don't deserve anything from me. Ugh, that's also not okay, right? And so it's these things of, it's this, it's this self-centered way of thinking, and when you have a watered-down gospel, uh, it's self-serving. And uh, to, to concur with Adam... Not only do we think it's a it's a huge problem in American modern day Christianity, um, it creates a lot of other issues. Uh, and you know, it's I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too. Absolutely, no, I think you're right. It it leaves us if if I were using kind of a meal analogy, mm -hmm. it's not that we're missing courses, you know, we're. We're missing basics. And so it leaves us ill-equipped, and it leaves us ill-prepared to be part. Kelly always uses this analogy of the, the church as a family, right? Mm -hmm. we, we're not only not utilizing our, our giftedness for the family, we're ill-equipped to try. 
because we're 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 rejecting part of what it means to be in the family. It's almost like when you don't get the whole course, you have to then go scrounge for scraps. So instead of the gospel being sufficient, we have to add or we subtract. And as soon as people get involved in that part of it, there is it's just devastating. Like the, the fallout of that and the consequences of me changing it to what I think it's supposed to be is like, but Kelly, didn't you just say you've been on a journey and you've learned new things and things have changed for you? Yes, I would argue a full gospel is one where you have been invited with God to go on a journey of faith. Absolutely, and, and, and it should change you. However, when we are importing <laughs> or worse, subtracting, I mean, you know, the, the, the scenario that we shared to start with, the guy that I talked with, was literally subtracting the good news <laughs> that is he's totally fine with you know Darth Vader wins friends I mean he's okay with that part of the story I mean right like in your and your it's why it's so funny right because we call it the good news congratulations the good news is you suck and you're gonna die the good news is the empire wins and luke skywalker stays on tatooine but but that is the point right of this version of a watered down gospel is one of and in my blanket statement right is one that is self-serving or self-sufficient or is added to or is 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 affirming of things in me that are not of god but of the latter and I think that's a fantastic example of a gentleman who, God bless him, right? But the, uh, the, the real truth of that, the freedom, the, the belonging to the family part, has it clicked for you, obviously, because you can't, like in, in a line that literally has all the hope and the promise in it, you are not iterating. It's just fascinating. And that's good. All right, so... Just give me the basics of the gospel mentality leads to a different gospel than the one Jesus brought. Explain, Adam. <laughs> All right, so here's where we're going to start to lose the dozens and dozens of listeners. <laughs> I don't believe that the gospel is just about me and God. I mean, I do believe it's about my relationship to an eternal God, but it that's... That's not the end of the story. That's not the, I would say that's not even like the, the whole point of the good news. Um, maybe another way of saying this is when we look at, oh, just give me the basics, just give me the, the Romans Road prayer, right? That I get myself right with God and then I'm ready to go to heaven. You have forgotten that... <laughs> Heaven is inbreaking now. Say say that again. So you just said something that's I think really important. By the way, <laughs> you just made a bunch of people I know mad by like the Romans Road isn't sufficient. Haha. <laughs> if you have hate mail to send, send it to him, not to me. I don't want to read it. I didn't say it. Adam did. Please don't send me emails at gmail.com. I should totally set that up as our email to get feedback from people. Um no, you said that. Uh, what I want or what I need. You said, uh, man, I can't remember the exact phrase you just said. 
Well, now you're asking me to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you said the Romans Road, and then give me... So just give me... Give me what I need to get to heaven. That's so self-centered. Yes. Like, give me what I... Yeah. Right? It's, it's a... And here's the thing, right? That's what's crept in. And, and before we both get branded as, you guys just hate American Christianity. No, 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 no. I'm so guilty of all of these things. Okay, pot, kettle, black. I'm less so. <laughs> Troll. Uh, <laughs> but, but right, so, but, but this permeates in us, right? And, and I would argue, right, like church history, this is, a, this is an ongoing issue. But to call it what it is, right, is this, it, it's, it's just a tweak. It's not, like an, it's not like an outright lie. It's like, well, God wants the best for me. Yes, God absolutely wants the best for you. Right. Well, the best for me is how I define it. No. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but I get what I want. Part of being in the family of God is learning to want what God wants, mm-hmm. which in turn is what's best for you. Yes. No, no, no. God wants me to have what I want. I feel like comedian Ron White. Close. <laughs> Close, right? And so it's a, we say like the basics of the gospel. Um, I argue, like this is what's so hard about the teachings of Jesus, right? Um, I'm reminded of the rich young ruler, right? Comes to Jesus and goes, hey, Jesus. Jesus is like, sup? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, don't ever let me teach Bible stuff to you because I'm <laughs> like the worst at the, like I portray Jesus as like this hood rat I grew up with. He's like, sup guys. <laughs> I'm like, maybe not. Maybe a little bit more regal. Maybe a little bit more stoic. Maybe a little bit more, uh, less fart jokes. Um, <laughs> so rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Hey Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, do all the commandments. And the young ruler is like all egotistical, like puts his chest out. Right. And he's like, I did all that. And Jesus goes, Oh, awesome. (laughs) And scripture says, uh, then Jesus loved him. And I'm like, wait, hold on. What's coming? Like, right. (laughs) And then the next line, Jesus says, okay, good job. (laughs) Like, great, whatever. Now go sell all that you own and give that money to the poor and then come follow me. And the rich young ruler, it says, walked away upset because he couldn't do it. (laughs) And it's just, but we stop there. Oh, okay. I said the thing. I did the thing. I did my part of the transaction, God. So now when I die, I get to go to heaven. And God's like, yeah, but, but that's not, you haven't finished the sentence. Right. Jesus told the rich young ruler, come follow me because in following me, you inherit what's worth so much more than earthly riches. And this is the thing that you can't do. And I have to nudge you towards it. Like this is the thing that's actually killing you spiritually, right? This is destroying your soul and you, you can't see it because you are self-sufficient. 
And we do this thing, or we do this thing, our culture defines this gospel thing with Jesus of like, well, I came to Jesus, I accepted Jesus into my heart, and now I'm good. And you and I are both like, no, 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 wait, 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 don't leave yet. There's a lot more to, there's a lot more. Wait, there's more. <laughs> it's like the, the infomercial. But wait, there's more for an extra payment of nothing. That's right. <laughs> OxyClean for your soul. No, that's not the way that works. But you're absolutely right. And I love the, the story of the rich young ruler as kind of a template for what does the other half look like? Right. Because it's not just about what appeals to me. And I think to, to draw us back to kind of the idea of blockbusters, look, I, I'm looking at the all-time <laughs> top 100 list, right? And I have seen... All of them? All <laughs> of them. How many times? I don't recall, Council. <laughs> I forget the last podcast we did with Leisure Hobbies. I'm going to shame you for those. <laughs> lots. <laughs> the answer is lots. Right. All right, so I've seen, I've seen these movies. I enjoy them, right? You do. Love them. None of those movies are DC movies, right? Of course not. Adam, They're good Adam. movies. <laughs> <laughs> I take that back. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is one, and that's an actually a great DC movie. But yeah, it's like the only one that you would put on that list. There are a couple of others, but but you know, as as I think about these, as I look at these, they all appeal to something, but they all. Very few of them are complete. Oh, they're selfishly motivated. They are. And, and so, you know, the first half of the gospel is what do I need to do to be right? And the, the, the second half of the gospel is, no, it's, it's, it's in walking with. And, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, as I walk with, I start to look and see others that God wants to wants me to love in actual, genuine, real, like non-putting a dollar into the Salvation <laughs> Army kettle way. Okay, like, I have to. In have a to. personal, close, intimate way. I don't, I, this is so bad. And we've not, I mean, mine is Deadpool being the only rated R thing we've discussed here. I don't know why I thought a Cartman on that episode of South Park put a dollar in the boxer. <laughs> Put a dollar in the box, but but to that point, right? And and so I say things like selfish or self-centeredness. And please, if you're listening to this still, what I'm I'm not advocating that people are just decrepitly evil and all this other stuff. That's not what I'm saying at all. I should clarify this. When I say selfish or self-centered, I'm talking about learned behavior that outright challenges the freedom that God has called us to. So, for example. The rich young ruler is offered something better than what he has to give up. Correct. Right? And spoiler alert, if you went and followed Jesus, Jesus would have become your quote-unquote rabbi, which means he was legally responsible to provide for you. So your meals, your clothing, like shelter, the rabbi, the rabbi provides. So this young man, like the basic necessities or the Bare necessities. Well done, Jungle Book. <laughs> would have been, he would have been provided for. 
And so what I'm getting at isn't that this guy, like, and I think this is something else we do in our current culture when it comes to gospel things, like the Romans, the Romans guy, is we shame people and go, well, you just don't love Jesus enough. And that's not what I'm saying either. What I'm saying is this young ruler is talking to God incarnate, God in the flesh, to the face, and doesn't it doesn't click. Oh, he's offering me. I he gave me the answer I I asked the question to the question I asked. I because of whatever other reason cannot commit to this. And I think when we talk about lowest common denominator, watered down gospel, we talk about it being the basics or a different version than what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus says, come and follow me with everything you are and everything that you have, we're not saying that that thought isn't scary. No, it's very scary. Because, and let's be fair, you don't know what's coming. Now, Av and I, till we're blue in the face, would tell you all the positives and good things like good salesmen would do. We'll pitch all the positives and the... We have a toaster for you. Yeah. Sign up now. <laughs> Here's a goodie bag, right? But like following Jesus is freedom and it's love and it's joy and it's a place to go and God is always going to affirm you and love you and value you and will never reject you and all this other stuff. But you don't know that yet. So when you commit to the life, to being a part of the family you're unlearning things that hurt you and you're learning to trust God in a way that you have not had to yet. Because if the rich young ruler goes, okay, and goes and sells everything he owns and then comes back to Jesus, he has to trust that Jesus is going to be there and that Jesus is going to teach him and that Jesus is going to value him and that he's not just going to become one of the guys that Jesus gets to every Tuesday at 3 o'clock for like 20 minutes to like whatever. It's that Jesus is going to back up the promise he gave him. And for me, I think way more than people wanting to quote-unquote live in their sin and their selfishness, this is the thing that deters people from following Christ because it scares the crap out of us. God's like, oh, I you, I love you. And I'm like, okay, I love you back. And God's like, okay, then let's do this thing. And I go, but, but, but there's, what, what does that mean? And God's like, well, then you're going to go do this. And I'm like, but that's scary. Right. And it's easier to lean back on, fall back on a word that Kelly loves to, to, to use with me, self-reliance. That's much easier. That's much more familiar. It's much more comfortable. And one of the areas I know that Kelly really grates against uh, in, in terms of the church and, and theology is this idea of prosperity gospel. Oh, dude. Because Shaking. That, that, that is the ultimate in, in self-reliance, right? It turns God and your life into your circumstance. And I hate that so much. I think it's I think it's anti gospel. I think it's anti Jesus. I think it's I think it's I mean I'll use the intense word. It's straight up heresy, man. Like it makes God this God of well, if you follow me, then everything's going to go well for you. When Jesus literally looks at the disciples before he dies and says, "You think they hated me? They're going to hate you more." <laughs> like it is, 
And that's not to say, y'all, if you're following God and you're wrestling with faith stuff, or you're not, and like you're just like, hey, I stumbled upon this podcast, and these guys are crazy. Uh, Possibly true. <laughs> also, also maybe true. But it's not, I don't even think it's that simple. Like, oh, if I follow God, then like, it's not this transaction. It's this thing of, if you just dictate God by your circumstance, your circumstance is built upon your own perception of how those things are working and going. One of the reasons uh, I think biblical authors use like father and or for more gender inclusive language like parent. Uh oh, I just made somebody mad. Uh, spoiler alert: God is male and female. Neither. <laughs> Taking off my headphones right now and walking out. Get out. Uh, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you, sir? Um. But, uh, oh man, where was I even going with that? So you, you, uh, <laughs> God is, God is, uh, we, we talk about God as a parent because I'm a parent now. When I was a kid, I didn't give a crap what my parents thought. <laughs> like, screw you, old man. You don't know what it's like to be me. Ha ha. When you, when you were a kid, dinosaurs are still around. Like, but now as a parent, I go, oh, I know the thing that's going to cause you harm, so I'm stepping in front to make sure you don't. Or I'm guiding you in a direction and giving you the advice to go, hey, don't do that. (laughs) Ah, you did it anyway, and now you're, eh, like, right? And so for me now, for some of you might maybe listening, right, maybe you don't have a good relationship with your parents or your your demonstration or your understanding culturally or to your circumstance of familial context is one of pain and abuse. Like that makes this difficult. So just for clarification here, um, I think this is the context that's being inferred here is when God says something, God is trustworthy um, and, and God's doing it for our benefit and for the benefit of others. Right, so all the way back to the gentleman who was like, the wages of sin is death. Not wrong. When I That's sin, true. when I sin, it, can, it maybe just harms me in the moment, but could potentially have long-term effects or short-term effects that don't just harm me, but they harm others. Right. And, and so what Jesus is trying to offer us, I think, is something more wholesome and better and full of more guidance but it's not just as simple as like me screaming over and over again that I trust God. You know, it's God going, hey, Kelly, go sell everything you have. But I like my Xbox. <laughs> I am less attached to his S- Xbox, in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as I think through things, here's one of the the things looking back to kind of popular blockbusters most of them are oriented around giving us an ending that we want. Like, you have to go all the way to number 94, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, best in the series. It's just a smidgen ahead of Rogue One, which, by the way, we are going to do a podcast on at some point, because Rogue One is like... Rogue One is excellent, not part of the series. It's a Star Wars story, not part of the Star Wars. It's canon. It is canon, but it is not... <laughs> It is not Star Wars 3.5. 
But you know, it's not the Skywalker saga. It is not the Skywalker. <laughs> so most of the movies on the list have a happy-ish ending. Oh, interesting. Most of them, I mean, not all of them. I mean, you have Harry Potter and, and the Half-Blood Prince, which technically has a downer ending. Spoiler alert, someone <laughs> dies. <laughs> Wait. Isn't that all of us? Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's got Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal of the Crystal Skull, which left everybody upset. Wait, time real quick. Number seventy-seven on the list. How people didn't get the word out ahead of going to see it in the theaters? Otherwise, nobody would have done it because it's a terrible Shia movie. LaBeouf. Hiding in the bushes. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Continue your point. So my my point is that. We orient so much around getting us what we expect or what we want or what we think we want. Look, Kelly and I aren't saying um, that f- this journey of faith is prosperity. And we're not saying that, you know, it's easy. Matter of fact, it's really hard sometimes. Oftentimes, it's really difficult. But we're saying that as we journey it, it's not that we think less of ourselves, as C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity. We start to think of ourselves less, and it takes root that we start to see others more. I'd argue too, like not to say that I'm like this mature Christian who gets it. Uh, y'all should drive in the car with me. I'm going to totally discredit anything I say if you were in my car with me or playing video games with me online. That's another. Or watching football. Same. No, no, that's Adam watching football. That's me watching football. So when your football. little girls come in and they're like, hey, dad, we don't say stuff like that. And you're like, I'm busy. <laughs> Now's not the time. Not the time. Um, but, you know, it's that. We say it's hard, right? And we say that, like, but I'd argue, like, there's times where you start to realize, like, you're not even purposely picking other people, right? You, you start to just naturally do it. You start to naturally do the things that God has asked you, like, his, his I'll say commanded, right? But people, like, hear commanded, and they think, like, all this heavy verbiage, and I'm like, no, 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 no. God is the perfect parent who's like, hey, do this this way, Right? Uh, it's, we were talking about Job here at work like a couple weeks ago, and God shows up and goes, Job, you weren't there when I made everything. Why the heck do you think that you need to understand all of this? It's not your responsibility. It's not your burden. God isn't like, here, Kelly, like you need to know all of these things because da-da-da-da-da. God's like, love me, love yourself, love everybody else. And here, by the way, in Scripture, I, dig, I, I outline what love actually is. And you'll find that your soul will be much better because this is, I've commanded this because it's, this is the, this is the way that like you can live well. But Kill, you just said anti-prosperity. No, 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 no. I didn't say wealth and, but are you saying having money's bad? No, nope. give me some, uh, <laughs> buy our merch, which we don't have yet. Uh, <laughs> Once again, www.do-not-send-us-emails <laughs> at gmail.com. Here's my PayPal uh, uh, or my Venmo. But 
but what we're getting at is what God is interested in. Let me reframe that because I don't want to come across as a know-it-all. I'm not saying that God isn't interested in people's finances and, and giving them help to, to make sure that they can do all the things right. Or I've cracked that code or that formula, but it starts at the soul and the plans and the commands and the guidance that God gives us is always for the nourishment and the care of your soul. It starts there. And those things are to affirm your identity in the family of God so that, and Adam, here's the next point we're moving on to, and I would argue the final point. It is not salvation from, it is salvation to. Yeah. So sometimes people think, well, I got to get saved so that I don't go to hell when I die. And I go, that's a really, I get it. But like that's, it doesn't sound like a, like a really good plan. I want to make sure I don't get in trouble. Okay, but, but what's the next thing? Well, I'm not in trouble anymore, so I'm good. I'm like, and then... <laughs> Okay, so there's a blockbuster movie <laughs> called Dude, Where's My Car? From the early 2000s. Kelly's too young to remember this because he wasn't born. What does mine say? In the early 2000s. What does mine say? What, is, what, what do you mean, what does mine say? <laughs> Dude. Dude. Oh, what does mine say? Sweet. Sweet. We're, we're, well done. Ah. <laughs> but there's, when they're in the drive-thru, there's a, you know, yeah. they, they're ordering food and then... <laughs> No more and then. And then, and then, and then. <laughs> you say and then one more time. <laughs> right, so you, you, you become a part of the family to live in the family. You don't, you don't, like it's, it's if it's, if it's self-centered, it's not gospel. Correct. Like you are connected. We are all connected to each other. And Jesus didn't just die for me. And raise again for me and invite just me back into the house. Right. And I'll be, I'll be darned if I don't spend the rest of my life trying to make sure everybody else knows that they're also invited. Right. And to kind of dovetail on this thought of salvation from and salvation to. So Kelly and I both share an affinity for this crazy old guy called John Wesley, who was a quirky English preacher who had a lot of problems, okay? I'm just going to be level with you. He had a lot of And issues. you don't get communion, and you don't get communion. He made mistakes, okay? <laughs> mistakes were made. I don't make those. But he had this really great epiphany that we are not just saved from hell. We must be saved too. And it's, it's, the, the idea is we're not just saved to heaven as a destination. We're saved to heaven as a way of being. Mm. Which means we treat others the way God treats us. We see others the way God sees us. Heaven inbreaks into our daily lives. That's the other half of the gospel that is, that is so hard if we're so fixated on things like prosperity or the wages of sin. We forget that 
we don't carry those shackles and we're not carrying that second vacation home into the <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> I, adam's heard me multiple times in the office scream about that like, dude like <laughs> you can't take it with you like come on uh i love i love what you're saying though and i think this will be my closing thought um You know, we talk so much uh, culturally, right, about structure for kids and emulated behavior. If you are a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Why did you wait till we were at HEB to say that? Why couldn't you have just said that in the car when it was just me and you? And I was like, oh, no, I say that around you. And ah, you can't say that in public, right? But it's emulated behavior and it's the structure of the environment. There is... So much information from, uh, you know, the, the psychological community and the therapy community that supports this idea that family systems or, or the structure of, it, of an environment for children and how they're emotionally treated and physically treated has a direct consequence to how they grow up and, and their self-esteem and these other things, right? And it's almost like God is this perfect, infinite God has gone, hey, Kids, here's the emulated behavior I that is best for you. I'll I'll tell you what to do. All right, you're not listening. <laughs> now I'll show you. So God, in the beginning, tells Adam and Eve what to do. He goes, "Hey, here's how it is." And they say, "Nah." They go, "Oh no!" And then everybody else, God's like, "Hey, do this." And they're like, yay, oh no. (laughs) And then God's like, all right, I'll come and I'll show you what to do. And we're like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's just this narrative, right? So God is emulate, his now physically is now historically recorded in a book that you can buy at a bookstore or get it on your phone for those of you who live in the United States of America. (laughs) Some countries you can't, right? Truth. Where God's like, here's the emulated behavior. These are, this is the house. This is the structure. This is a healthy, appropriate boundaries, good family structure. And God's like, hey, kids, emulate. And for whatever reason, I go, nah. <laughs> for whatever reason, we go, Maybe we need an episode seven, eight, and nine. <laughs> we didn't, friends. We we did not. Amen, brother. Amen. This is the cross culture. This is Kelly. This is Adam. Signing off.